Okay, boom. And we are live. Uh, we've been already live streaming for a bit on DLive and um, forgot to hit record. So just hit record. Uh, we're diving deep into Lyme disease today. And basically, the effects and the history of it and our take on it, as well as a personal journey that Dr. Berlando had with the disease. Um, we were kind of going into the history of it and the conspiracies related around Plum Island and where um, Lyme was officially kind of first diagnosed in Lyme, Connecticut, which was across from Plum Island. And we were talking about films under our skin which really has uh, a lot of amazing information related to this, as well as um, another interesting documentary that I believe came out in 2009 that just um, documents a lot more examples of government and military uh, experimentation on humans related to ticks and, bio and different uh, pathogens and bacteria. Uh, and that's called Under the Eight Ball, and that was about the Fort Detrick, Maryland uh, uh, eight ball uh, experiments, which I guess was like a four-story um, round uh, building that they used where they actually experimented on children. Uh, so that's a really interesting documentary. Um, but yeah, there was, uh, we were talking about some of the more mainstream articles that try to counter um, the concept that Lyme disease was manufactured or it was a genetic um, bioweapon and one of the examples that, or one of the stories that are told is by, uh, about a Reverend Dr. John Walker in 1764, who on the island of Jura supposedly discovered Lyme. And that is actually in Scotland. And um, I did a little bit more research and found that it was actually a subcutaneous worm that caused the paralysis. I wasn't able to find much more information just on a kind of a quick little scam, but I'm sure there's plenty of documentation about that. Um, there's also a number of other articles I saw that claims that, you know, Lyme goes back thousands of years. I mean, we are talking about a bacteria strain here. I, I believe there's a number of different bacteria strain of the, was it Borrelia? Is that how you pronounce it? Um, yeah. Uh, Spirochet, I believe. Um, and there's like the Borrelia, Burgdorferi, the Borrelia, um, Myoni, which are in the United States, um, and there's other ones that have been found around the world. So these are bacteria that cause these issues. I guess the question is, how are the, you know why did we not have a, a more? If this is true that it's been around for thousands of years, where's the documentation besides you know a guy on a, a reverend doctor on an island in Scotland in 1764? Um, why all of a sudden do we have a mass epidemic starting in the 70s with, where they're saying now 400,000 uh, people in the U.S. a year are officially documented with the disease. And we know there's a lot of misdiagnosis um, as well as, um, you know, the, weird, the way the numbers work. A lot of people probably don't know they have Lyme disease. I actually think it's probably double that at least. Um, was saying earlier, I think, pretty much everybody I know has at least a friend or a family member that's been afflicted by Lyme. So, um, yeah, today we want to kind of dive a little bit into our theories behind Lyme disease and some techniques and tactics um, that those who are suffering from the debilitating disease can hopefully um, start to look into 
and primarily um, just kind of go into some of the theories and stuff behind the way this stuff, all this stuff works. And, you know, I'm more of a technician and a researcher. I'm not a doctor or biologist. So I, by no means, am any kind of um, uh, official <laughs> expert on this. But because you have had personal experience with contracting Lyme and were able to essentially um, alleviate yourself of the symptoms and hopefully, you know, any, any bacteria left in your system, you know, and we can kind of dive into what is back to, what is the bacteria? What is, you know, the, the current definition of Lyme and how is, you know, a lot of the misconceptions about it. Cause I know there's a lot out there and this is kind of more in your terrain, Dr. Lando than mine. Um, where do you think we should pick up from here? Um, we could go more into the conspiracy of it, your ideas of how it relates to um, experimentation, weaponization. Um, there was a really interesting article too I was reading on, um, it's a site called Public Health Alert, and it's the creation of Lyme disease on Plum Island, the logic of claims. And it's one of the first ones Google gives you when you first um, dial into uh, looking up Plum Island and Lyme disease. And um, it seems like they have a, a definite agenda here to disprove the connection. While it, it is pretty, I mean, the article does seem to be pretty down the middle and, um, and kind of ex exploratory in whether or not this, this was a biological agent uh, created by the government, um, by the military to um, afflict uh, either an enemy or the general populace. And their, their main, um, I guess, hypothesis is that they discount it because they say that the um, bacteria predates, um, or the, excuse me, the spiroshit, if I'm saying that right, right predates um, Plum Island by thousands of years. And then they go on to say that why would the military try to use, try to create a weapon that doesn't necessarily um, immediately terminate the enemy. Um, and it just seems like they're kind of have a very, um, surface level look at this. Um, but it is of course, one of the top ones that Google gives you. Um, and I guess one of the things too, a lot of people have challenges with is understanding really what government is and what the military is, um, in regards to them being corporations. And not and and heavily fractured and heavily isolated, um, you know. And, and once you kind of dive into that concept, it starts to make more sense on how these things can be done. It's not um, because it's much more complex of a structure than than most people um, like to think of it. But um, yeah, Bear, where do you think you uh, where do you want to take this right now? There's a lot of ways we can go. Why don't we start? Why don't we start with the origins? I mean, there's so many levels of this. Um, there's evidence, ample evidence, that it is bioengineered. And uh, the problem now is there's so many bioengineered organisms that have mutated who knows how many billions of times that it, it, you know, it's hard to classify any, any of these things now. There's also mycoplasma um, organisms that, uh, mimic a lot of, uh, you know, what we would think of as classic limes and, and um, you know, just a whole biological soup out there. But, 
you know, a lot of these manufactured organisms or, or diseases, uh, for instance, like AIDS, you know, there, there's absolutely zero doubt that that's a manufactured illness. And then uh, they take a harmless uh, retrovirus, HIV, and, uh, you know, because you always need a boogeyman to blame things on. And uh, so they blame it on HIV. That's another whole discussion. We won't go there right now. But, I was going to say, um, that's a, <laughs> you just opened yeah. up a, a can of worms there, yeah. But the, but the point <laughs> I'm making is if you understand how they do these things, and if you're a medic with uh, you know background in genetics and biological sciences, you can actually go into um, you know years back of uh, journals, you know standard medical journals, New England Journal of Medicine, and so forth, and look at different research. And you know in research, it's not like you have these evil mad scientists, uh, you know, coming out of college that are saying uh, I'm going to create things to you know inflict humanity. But what you do have is a lot of brilliant people that are compartmentalized and given grants and all the research facilities and equipment that they need in order to create one little piece of the puzzle. And then they're all sequestered off into different places and they never get to connect the dots. Well, the thing is, um, a lot of them have been connecting the dots in the last couple of decades. And some of these biological researchers have actually uh, been quite disturbed when they realized that, well, I actually worked on that piece of the puzzle and they're seeing how, um, you know, that created, um, you know, some of these organisms that were then used as weapons. And when they try to uh, become whistleblowers then they, you know, uh, usually meet untimely deaths like committing suicide by killing yourself, shooting yourself in the back of the head nine times or something or drowning in uh, one inch of water, you know, on your morning jog. Um, so, um, in fact, over the last, uh, oh, at least two decades, there's, by uh, a lot of accounts, there's uh, over 300 biological researchers worldwide that have all been mysteriously disappeared or, or suicided. And so this, this is a real thing. So you can't tell me it's a conspiracy theory. These are facts. And um, again, when you read the journals and have the ability to do that, you can yourself, in hindsight, now that we know more about these uh, afflictions, you can um, even see reported in these journals. And if you can extrapolate what you're reading, uh, you see that, wow, that was actually a piece of this whole engineering product. But of course, you don't get all the information in one spot. So unless you know a lot, you're really not going to know what you're reading or, or understand that that was part of a larger agenda, you know, for instance, such as Lyme's. Now, the one thing that there seems to be good evidence for uh, back to Lyme specifically is that, um, you know, being a spirochete like syphilis, uh, the engineering and research into the, the development of limes began back in the 50s when they were um, purposely injecting uh, male uh, members of the black population with syphilis, uh, unbeknownst to them, of course. And, uh, you know, that was uh, uh, the beginning of, uh, you know, experimenting on live people to uh, begin the whole process. I don't know how far down the road they were back then, but that's definitely implemented in how uh, they learned more about this spirochete. And then uh, from that spirochete created um, uh, uh, a special um, 
engineered form that would operate in stealth. In other words, evade your own immune uh, defenses and detection, which is what makes um, Lyme's disease so problematic. And I've, I've treated a lot, of a lot of cases of it and uh, um, all successfully because the conventional treatments, of course, is you do IV antibiotics and, and things that will further, you know, it might knock down uh, bacteria in, in the short term and keep uh, symptoms at bay or, or at least a certain um, less intense level. But what you're doing is degrading the ecosystem to such an extent that in the long run, you're more vulnerable and more dependent on just doing more of the same. So uh, you know, not giving medical advice, but if it was, uh, uh, you know, myself or a loved one, the last thing I do is uh, start, um, you know, antibiotic therapy because there's a lot of other options at work. And, um, and uh, you know, we can talk more about those sorts of things and, and that will strengthen your internal ecology and also, uh, you know, give you the ability to not have any residuals in the future. So I, I kind of uh, tell people I have a PhD in Lyme's, uh, not because uh, I've treated a lot of people with it and learned a lot about it by treating other people because I contracted it myself. Um, when I was in, I was about 15 years ago. I was, I guess, in my mid fifties back then. And, um, and I was, uh, still very athletic, you know, carrying a little bit more muscular weight and, uh, you know, doing 440 workouts done on the track and benching in the 300s and, you know, actively kickboxing and things, uh, you know, just good shape for, for that time of life. And, uh, and then I got a mosquito bite. And what people don't understand is these things are airborne now. And, and, to, and, be clear, I, uh, and to be clear, you were not on the East Coast. You were, no, I was in Santa Barbara, California. Yeah. And um, the mosquito bite uh, on my uh, right thigh, you know, just didn't quite go away. And it created that classic little bullseye thing that you see on the internet when you look at pictures of tick bites, you know, that are uh, Lyme's implemented. And, but I didn't think anything of it back then because I was still in the mindset that, you know, ticks were the only way you get it. I thought, well, that's kind of an odd reaction for a mosquito bite, but I just didn't make the connection. Uh, about a week later, I got violently ill uh, one night. It was actually 4th of July. We we're over doing a barbecue at some friend's house and I uh, got up in the middle of the night and then I was just had the, seemed like the worst case of flu I ever had in my life. And, and I usually don't catch that kind of stuff. So that was kind of strange, but got over it in about a week and I was just kind of wiped out and uh, drove up north uh, about a week later when I was pretty recovered. And then all of a sudden I started getting double vision and I was worried about, geez, can I even drive home? And anyway, that was the beginning of a two-year nightmare. And um, I, I, some of the symptoms I experienced along the way, you know, what happens is these uh, little spirochetes uh, secrete neurotoxins, so it attacks your nervous system. So, uh, you know, you can start having muscle wasting and, and all sorts of paralysis issues and other things, you know, facial muscles that 
wouldn't work if I talked for too long repeatedly or, or just trying to eat something. I had to kind of take a break to let the juice come back into the muscles. Um, there's times where a whole side of my body would uh, just peter out where I, you know, couldn't even walk, you know, I'd be on the beach or something. Uh, I, I lost my sight to the point where it was just kind of like a blur. Now, um, you had these periods of remission every couple of weeks where they kind of go underground again. And, and then when you're feeling good, you just feel like you have a good case of the flu, you know, and, but at least uh, your muscles function and things. And then you start, it's very discouraging because you feel like, oh, okay, I, I think I might be getting over whatever the heck this is. And, and then, boom, it hits you again. And, and then, you know, you go through that for months or years. And, and you know, it really takes the wind out of your sails. And um, interestingly, you know, I kept practicing. There was times where I had to, you know, take a day off from work or, or just fake it with my clients where I sometimes couldn't even see them, but just sort of act normal. And I had ways of getting through the day and actually still doing my work, you know, cause I had a pretty steady stream of clients coming in and, you know, people with all sorts of things and I didn't want to, you know, call it quits on them. But, uh, in that time, I also had a lot of, uh, people with limes and, uh, even in, in the local area there, interestingly, there is a whole rash of, uh, breakouts of people, you know, that I, you know, in proximity to me where I heard about it, you know, as people having very similar symptoms. So that was kind of odd in, in the fact that it was airborne. And I was able to connect the dots, obviously, after I uh, had these symptoms for a while and, and reconnect it back to the mosquito bite and, you know, because it all happened right then. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely engineered. Uh, a lot of these things that we're being subjected to, everything from chemtrailing, you know, that uh, has a high uh, a proportionate amount of uh, neurotoxins that we're exposed to that way, uh, the microwaves that affect our nervous system, the engineered bugs that affect our nervous system. Uh, somebody somewhere really thought it would be a great idea if you could attack the, the herds with neurotoxins of all types, including this kind of biologically, biological weaponry. So, um, so anyway, I did get through it. I learned a lot, not just with my own, but working with other people and learning protocols uh, that were very successful, you know, because a number of my clients that came in specifically for that, they had been to many other practitioners, including the conventional system and the antibiotics. And some of these people, and the interesting thing is uh, the far majority of, of the people with this were all otherwise healthy people like myself that had never been sick a day in their lives. And it seems to, you know, get people, you know, that are in really top condition. And, uh, and were you know, these people, were these people, athletes. were the mosquito bites too, or were they ticks or all different? Or do you remember? Oh, well, really? some people, uh, you know, in fact, a lot had no idea of, or, or even awareness that they had a bite or any kind of insect bite. So, okay. um, in fact, it's very rare that they'd come in and say, oh, I got a tick bite. They just come in with the symptoms. So who knows how they got it? And it would seem to me that if it was a tick bite, you know, that that's pretty, you know, I mean, it's, it, that's not going to detect uh, or, or escape detection, you know, 
we live in tick country and my dog, you know, tick season in the spring, I'm picking these things off my dog all the time. And, uh, you know, they're pretty hard to miss. So I would think they grow quickly. Um, we have had my youngest son is that we call him the tick magnet, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, there was one time where, and he kind of is really good at ignoring things. Um, he's just kind of a total boy, you know, doesn't care if he's messy or dirty or whatever. Uh, and he had a, uh, he was kind of scratching his head. This was about uh, a year and a half ago. And, um, we finally checked out the bottom of his scalp here. And, uh, there was a massive tick under his hair that had blown up. They blow up pretty quickly because they're sucking the blood into them. They blow up like a balloon. So it's hard to miss you know, they're tiny at first. And then of course we had to pull them out and then, uh, we were going to send it in actually just to have it tested. But in California, it's a little, there's a lot less chance that, um, that, uh, you'll contract Lyme and we just watched him and he's gotten like three or four cents. And now we are very, very, um, cautious, uh, with him. We, we do chick te- tick checks whenever we come in. Um, and it's kind of interesting um, here where we live, the tick season seems to be actually in more in the winter into early spring. Um, but um, yeah, it's, those, it, it's scary. It's, I mean, people, it's funny when you read some of these articles and they're saying, what's the sense of creating this when it, you know, doesn't have immediate effects if it's, it's, a, if it's a biological, uh, you know, form of um, weaponry. However, think about it, how in, in insidious um, it is to use something like ticks to spread a biological weapon. I mean, they're tiny and they um, are in the one place where populations would go to hide from potential enemies or to get away from, um, you know, think about history, Revolutionary War, what the guerrilla warfare. What do you do? You go hide in the forest. <laughs> so now you're in the... You go to uh, be a survivalist. Where are you going? You're going in the forest. You're going to go uh, get food or fish. Where are you doing? You're going in the forest. Um, now you go in the forest and you've got to be covered head to toe uh, for fear of contracting this biological weapon. So it makes a lot of sense to me. And it's also super debilitating. So on the profit side of it, um, is if you go that go down, down that route um, of you know, some dark corporate, corporate, um, you know, agenda, um, in the same vein as AIDS or cancer. It's just like a big moneymaker too. So dark stuff. I I hate talking about it, but it is a reality and, um, kind of going back to, uh, oh yeah. And real quick too, I forgot to mention this. There's a new book out. Um, it's called bitten, um, the secret history of Lyme disease and biological weapons. It's by Chris Newby. Um, I'm going to order it. It's came out in May, 2019. So it's very new. It's a riveting thriller reminiscent of the hot zone. This true story dives in the mystery surrounding one of the most controversial misdiagnosed conditions of our time, Lyme disease and of Willie Bergdorfer, the man who discovered the micro behind it, revealing his secret role in developing bug borne biological weapons and raising terrifying questions about the genesis of the epidemic of tick borne diseases affecting millions of Americans today. Um, and it's, I mean, this is in the guardian. Um, they talk about how Bergdorfer who died in 2014 worked as a bioweapons researcher for the U S military and said he was uh, tasked with breeding fleas, ticks, mosquitoes, and other blood sucking insects. 
and infecting them with pathogens that caused human diseases. According to the book, there were programs to drop weaponized ticks and other bugs from the air, and that uninfected bugs were released in residential areas in the U.S. to trace how they spread. This is documented. Uh, it suggests that such a scheme could have gone awry and led to the eruption of Lyme disease in the U.S. in the 1960s, 70s. Um, so there you go. Maybe you uh, were, happened to unfortunately be in Carpinteria when they decided to drop this uh, on a small population. <laughs> um, you know, sure crazy. Tax dollars at work. What's that? And there's your tax dollars at work. <laughs> Going to the corporate. You know, you made a comment about government. I mean, I don't want to go down that one, but what we have to understand is government is not what we think it is. It's not our original republic. This is a private corporation doing business as U.S. Inc. Capital U.S. is different than our original organic government. Uh, that was uh, initiated with our founding forefathers. And they warned us about all this. So uh, if people have any disbelief, like, oh, how can our government do this? Well, just like spirochetes uh, being engineered to operate in stealth mode, this new corporatized government, well, not corporatized, it is a corporation called U.S. Inc. And, and you can look up its tax ID number and find out, you know, all its incorporation papers through Delaware and so forth historically and when and how it, 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 it did that. But it is operating in stealth and masquerading as our government. But these are private interests that have one intention, that is to control the whole planet. And uh, they believe it is their prerogative, believe it or not, to cull the herds and manage the population in any way they see fit. And just look up the root of the word government, and it means to govern the mind, to control the mind. Government literally means mind control. It's a big psyop. And uh, we could go forever. Uh, you know, you don't need us to tell you about it. I mean, if people don't know about all this or yet, um, then, you know, I don't know where you've been hiding, but uh, if you want more details about it, then you can fill in all the blanks. Uh, that's not our intention or our job here. But what we do need is to have an educated population, and our audience probably is already there. Otherwise, they wouldn't be listening to us today. Because if you don't know what we're dealing with, then you'll never believe that this is possible, that they would engineer uh, these little creatures and use them as weapons because you're, you know, still under the impression that uh, the government is here to help us. Well, it, it's not. That's not who they are. That's not their job. Uh, they do not represent you. This is not a representative government. You have signed adhesion contracts um, uh, without you knowing it that has given them the authority the, uh, to um, inflict their will upon you. And then when you don't obey their rules, which they call statutory uh, legal statutes, which shouldn't be considered law, uh, then uh, you get thrown in jail or, or worse. Uh, and, and the reason why is not because you broke law, it's because you're in breach of contract. So people really need to understand what we're dealing with. And when you understand that level and when you end that denial, then you can start to delve into, you know, back to Lyme's disease, uh, why uh, people would do this to their fellow human beings. 
and uh, what they gain from it. You know, you have to say, okay, who would benefit from something like this? Well, uh, you know, there is ample information that will explain all of that to you. And then when you have all those uh, facts, then you can, you know, get over it and, and, and join the rest of us that are well beyond that stage and just working purposely for a solution. Uh, myself, uh, I, you know, have helped a lot of Lyme's people who thought their life was over and even very young, uh, you know, healthy people that had just given up and lost all hope. And within a matter of weeks and months, they're better and they never have any, uh, you know, they never have to look back again. So we all do our little part. Uh, you know, Mike, you're out there, um, you know, just uh, not only informing yourself, but educating others. Uh, we're hoping that this, uh, this modest uh, podcast, which, uh, you know, will grow over time, um, will help, uh, you know, just help us reach that critical mass where all we need is a small percentage of people. Uh, just like, you know, 200 years ago, there's only 3% of the people that finally had the gumption to stand up to a very ominous force, you know, the British Empire uh, at that time, which, by the way, behind the scenes is still calling the shots, uh, another rabbit hole to uh, jump down. Um, but anyway, um, you know, that 3% of the people actually turned it around, created history. And because of that, uh, you know, uh, everything that we have enjoyed in this country for the last 200 years is because of those brave people. Well, we need more now. And so everybody has to do their little part. And that's what this is all about. So spirochetes are really, um, as far as I can see, a genetically uh, uh, manipulated version of syphilis that was began with the um, uh, experimentation on, at that time, the black population in the 50s, and it grew to the, uh, the point where they had um, you know, these organisms ready to go off the coast of Connecticut. Now, whether they um, deliberately introduced them to insects or, or somehow it just uh, got out of the lab somehow and, and, you know, happened organically with uh, insects becoming uh, carriers, you know, I don't know, that's speculation. But what's not speculation is that it happened and then it was carried by, uh, you know, deer became, um, you know, that were carrying these ticks on their bodies and, and then swam to the, you know, mainland Connecticut. And then it spread from there. And it seems like it's, it's a good trail that's more than circumstantial, um, you know, as far as this, how this whole thing got started. But for any out there, anybody out there that's listening and has had this, uh, there are solutions. We can talk more about that. I'll, I'll let you kind of guide the narrative, Mike, but we can get more into that. And, um, and I can tell you, you know, what I did on my own body, you know, it took two years. Um, I'm a little uh, peculiar in that even though I treat people and have very advanced bio terrain training and, and a very eclectic background and conventional and uh, alternative medicine, if you want to call it that, um, you know, I have a very precise way of uh, diagnosing, treating, and, and having a great deal of success, which is why a lot of people of Lyme's came to me. But when it comes to my own body, I'm kind of old school. You know, I was brought up with if uh, 
you hurt yourself, just rub some dirt on it. <laughs> and I was an old, you know, jock and a combative arts and, and, you know, you just kind of always in denial of injuries and that kind of stuff and you tough it out. So I don't take all the medicines and do all the things that I, you know, help other people with. And when it came to Lyme's, it was the same thing. I just, you know, it, to me, it's kind of mind over matter and I'd get over it. But uh, this little bugger kind of took me to my niece and took a while. And, and uh, you know, I can get real personal and tell you how I finally beat it. But let's just maybe save that for last if you want to talk about it at all. So, yeah, Mike, yeah. what do you, uh, well, where do I we think, go? I think the, probably the most valuable aspect besides the little nuggets here, we're talking about the incorporation of stuff, which you know, you say everyone should know that, but God, most people don't. Um, in fact, I'm looking right now at the state of Delaware, um, uh, incorporation doc. And there's one here from 1933, 712, 1933, the internal revenue tax and audit service Inc. Uh, was made. That's a corporation. So the IRS, um, you've got the federal land acquisitions corp. You've got the central intelligence authority Inc. Uh, 1983, you've got the United States of America, Inc. right here as well. Pretty wild, all in the state of Delaware. Um, but yeah, that, they're, all, they're all Inc. Yeah, everything's They're all incorporated. They're all doing business. They've bought up every municipality, county, state. Whenever you see state of versus, like for instance, uh, California versus state of California. Uh, I'm in Del Norte County. Now, County of Del Norte. Whenever you see of, that's a corporation. Yeah. And that means that is not your tax dollars at work. That means those are revenuers collecting money, bilking you of your hard-earned money with property taxes, excise taxes, you know, state taxes, federal income tax. That they have no authority to collect that other than that you've given them permission. Then when you don't fess up on any particular year or, or try to, you know, shove a little stuff under the rug cause you, you know, you, you can't pay them what they really want without starving yourself. Then they get you for breach of contract contract and they throw you in one of their little cages. Well, to be clear, they don't get you breach of contract. They get your straw man which is what was created when you uh, get a birth certificate. Well, yeah. correct. So this is more information most people yeah. don't know about is that you in this contract that you are set up with when you get a uh, social security number uh, and a birth certificate is actually a straw man or like a, literally a fictitious business name that you act under. And there's actually a, there's things that you can do to um, declare your sovereignty as an individual and not as a citizen. We can go, that's like a whole other long yeah. podcast. And there's actually, that's, you know, there's yeah. some really good um, YouTube videos and documentation out there. And we could, I still want to do a resources page. We'll probably do it once we get the private uh, co-op set up. We'll have a really cool resources page with all this kind of documentation and stuff to help folks um, dive into this. I mean, this mm -hmm. stuff I still want to do. Um, and we've talked and, about. Uh, and understanding words understanding words is very important a uh, corporation you know it's corpse it's a dead body it's not yes. a living entity and so um and it's a fiction so uh, a dead body cannot communicate or let alone have authority over a living sentient being so what they have to do us inc in order to uh communicate and to create a, a nexus of authority 
over a sentient being, they have to create another corpse, which is your name by way of your birth certificate, as you said, in all capital letters, another corporation. And then they dupe you into thinking that that's you. And then you agree to become the surety for that. And so when these two corpses are doing business and stiffing each other with debt, and one uh, calls themselves the creditor and the other the debtor, uh, which is always you, uh, then you get that little thing in the mail and you go, oh, geez, I, I owe this amount of money. Well, you have to um, sever that nexus. There's a way to do that. Uh, and, you know, this sounds way far-fetched or, or far uh, offline from healthcare, but as a health practitioner, I went down this road because um, if you delve deeply into real medicine, not just conventional medicine that has um, really reduced the human body to a mechanical, uh, materialistic being, and in you know, medical schools now, they teach us um, you know, in a way where it takes the spirit, the essence out of the individual, out of the collective and, and reduces us to these mechanical parts. So, um, real medicine gets into not only that you have to know that, but it, you also integrate an understanding of the essence, the soul of the individual, the collective spirit of humanity. And uh, on that level, then you treat the whole being. And so, um, because that was my uh, orientation in medicine, because of my eclectic training and training from all over the world, not just from the US, um, it became apparent to me that a lot of afflictions that I was seeing, you know, all these cancers and things, were because on a real soul level, people were not even aware that they had any say about things. Uh, they fell into complete victim consciousness when they got the diagnosis and they didn't believe uh, they had any power or, or ability to draw their line in the sand, so to speak. And, um, and you know, on that important soul level and just not allow the contrived energetics that have been weaponized against humanity to have their way with their life and especially their bodies. And um, when you, you know, just think more holistically and, and myself as a practitioner and I look around and I say, well, okay, these diseases are mirroring much deeper belief systems and, um, you know, directives within the psyche and, and it doesn't take a genius to look around and say, well, we're told what to do, what we can't do. You have adults, very successful, intelligent adults that, you know, every, uh, you know, April 15th, they're jumping through these hoops. And every time, a, 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 you know, a, an agency or a code department or whatever comes to your doorstep or you get a letter in the mail, you know, you... Uh, you know, get knocked, need, and 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 start trembling like like this piece of paper is going to reach out and strangle you or something, you know. And so, if you have that kind of fear, and if you have subjugated yourself so thoroughly to these fictions, and and uh, think or or to a disease process, and not even understand that you have the capacity to turn around anything, including limes, which is how I did it. 
um, then these diseases are going to be much more prevalent. And it's, uh, yeah, we can, we can talk about, you know, we're being sprayed like bugs and we're subjected to all these poisons and there's uh, great truth to all that. But the fact is, is it all starts because we have relinquished our own individual identities, our authorities to these fictions outside of ourselves and let them have their way with us to the point where we are not using our own will force. So when I you know, just started connecting those dots and realized, you know, even in homeopathy, we talk about miasms and how they're uh, basically a product of entire civilizations, collectives uh, of humanity that have um, succumbed at some historical point to belief systems. And then that outpictures, you know, as manifest in their, in their culture, in, in their bodies, and so forth. And then those myams, miasms, you know, are passed down genetically and, and through the, um, you know, through times generationally, and then they become the root cause of all the diseases that we know of. And so when you have that background, then you look outside and see how, how you know, we've just given up on ourselves. And uh, then, you know, that's why I said, okay, maybe... I ought to start looking at how these people in so-called authority have, because anybody that's clear thinking is going to know this isn't right. Nobody has the right to tell somebody else what to do. And contrary to what we've been taught, humanity is not necessarily evil or bad. And left on our own device, we would not be making war with each other. And actually right now at this very moment, there's much more love and peace existing on the planet, um, you know, than what we read about in the news by far, but they keep us in a state of fear and disbelief in the goodness of the average person by staging shootings and wars and, and all the like where they keep us in this, this mindset. So what we have to do is uh, understand that the power is within us uh, but first, we have to understand how just on the very rudimentary, mundane level in our everyday life, we've given away that authority to outside people outside of ourselves. And if you don't know the truth of our money system, our tax system, about our government, about agencies, and, and, and how the whole game is rigged, then you're not going to stand a chance. And if you don't believe that the, uh, all of that is in fact true then you're not going to be able to understand the next level of reality of how this plays out within this uh, you know, reality simulation matrix, whatever you want to call it, which gets into another whole discussion on why that is in fact true. So you have to take yourself incrementally from ground level, uh, find out how everything works you know, in the old mystery schools where the people would uh, uh, achieve a certain level of, of knowledge and then they were invited into... Uh, deeper circles uh, where they would get taught, uh, you know, uh, uh, the next level of understanding. It was mandatory that you had to study law, you had to study finances, you had to study uh, the way of government and, and politics because they knew that if you didn't understand that level of uh, how we're manipulated on this plane, you would never be able to go the next level of applying true spiritual practices and things that would free you up on other levels. So that's why a holistic doctor like myself, um, you know, you can go on my library shelf and you can see uh, 
um, you know, uniform commercial code uh, uh, books and law books and all that kind of thing. And every single page is tabbed and underlined and memorized. And, and it's because uh, I realized, no, it's not anything that I would in a million years care to study because it's horrible, boring fiction. On the other hand, uh, it's better than being a victim of it. But the good news is people like myself that, you know, in decades past went down that road and, uh, you know, figured a lot of these things out. Now the next generation can draft us and just uh, watch things on YouTube, get caught up and not have to go through, you know, all the years of trial and error. And, and also taking a lot of arrows in our back. I mean, some of us have been targeted, myself included, by certain agencies and harmed greatly. I was just going to um, you know, say but, I was... a different story. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, that, that was before YouTube censorship, by the way. Sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I was just going to say that very thing. Thank God that we've got, um, you know, all the hard work that the previous generations have done now is on the web. And you're right. The YouTube censorship's scary, but we've got blockchain and we've got new stuff like DLive. Thank God. But um, yeah, just go watch like some Manly P. Hall uh, <laughs> lectures on YouTube. Uh, and he'll, you know, I, I've, I love listening to him because he just, he's like, just has this stream of consciousness and he was one of the great, you know, 20th century U S uh, I don't even call him a mystic, just, uh, um, extremely, um, uh, knowledgeable and wise individual who came from the mystery schools and brought it to light and just explains all this stuff in a way that really makes a lot of sense. So I highly recommend Manly P hall if you haven't tapped into him, but yeah, you're, to your point, um, you medical or uh, your health relates to your subconscious psyche. And if you are under a constant form of subconscious stress, because you believe in the fictional, um, uh, you know, uh, matrix that you're in, that you're subjugated in, um, then you're going to be under a lot of stress continually and, um, breaking down your immunity and all that in a very, and that's in a very, just kind of like simple, simple, simplistic, um, way of saying it, but yeah, your health relates to your wisdom and your awakening. Definitely. And the more awake you are, uh, the more in line you'll be with, um, being happy and being vibrant and having, a, uh, you know, understanding that you are the master of your own reality. I think that's the most important thing to really take in is, um, trust in yourself, trust in your heart and your own wisdom, um, as, a, as some, as a, ever, you know, uh, infinite consciousness and, um, not to get too out there and woo woo, but, um, it's those, those, it's always those simple mystical things, you know, going to love and going to, into your heart and not getting so caught up in your, um, in your mind, in your brain and in, in, um, the things that are constantly being driven into us through mainstream media and all that. So that being said, um, to tie back into Lyme and with these notions as a, as a really fundamental um, ground, groundwork for what you did as far as kind of overcoming the symptoms and things you had when you contracted Lyme, um, I think it would be good to kind of dive into some um, very just, um, I guess, pragmatic or uh, uh, actual techniques, things you did to help you alleviate um, yourself from this terrible disease um, and do we call it a disease or we call it uh, what what's the appropriate terminology for Lyme I would call it uh, poison um, delivered via insect uh, 
you know, just through an insect medium. So, um, I mean, you get poisoned in many ways. And, and what they created was the ability to deliver a neurotoxin with an insect. Yeah. So I would, and I would so it's poisoning. You're dealing with a lot of detoxification then. Well, you have to eradicate the organism so that you don't get, you know, hatchings uh, periodically that usually they go in two week cycles that keep, um, you know, a fresh uh, new batch of little creatures secreting these neurotoxins in your bloodstream. So you have to get rid of them. You really do. And that's twofold. You need to build your own immunity not to be confused with vaccination, immunization and vaccination are two different things. You have to build up your immunity and also you have to take some allopathic measures in order to kill the little buggers. And when I say allopathic, that means you are deliberately targeting uh, an offending agent, whether it's a, a chemical substance or, or a microbe or a bug um, in order to wage war on it. Now, if you're going to do warfare, there actually is a time and place. Um, you know, if you go back far enough before all of these things were, uh, you know, created, you didn't have to do that. You would just manage the internal terrain and let nature take its course and we had everything within side of ourselves to fix anything as long as we knew how to bring ourselves back into balance and understand how we got there in the first place but with these outside agents that were breathing and you know getting injected with vaccines and you know getting in uh you know uh infected via bug bites and things um it does require that we take uh, a more active role outside of just managing the ecology but you know you still have to manage your own ecology because if you're out of balance it's going to make it very hard for you to get better so you have to do a combination of uh, good natural medicine where you understand how to restore balance and then at the same time uh, wage war but do it in a way where there's no collateral damage now when you take antibiotics and a lot of conventional therapies um, you know, you're, you're looking at a lot of collateral damage, uh, just like our government, like Madeleine Albrecht saying, oh, yeah, it's probably worth it that we had to kill a bunch of kids over there when we, we, we bombed Iraq. But, you know, it was worth it, you know, that kind of thing. Well, that's, that's pretty barbaric. And that's exactly what we do in our bodies with uh, chemo, with antibiotics, uh, you know, and so forth. We go in. We wage war, and instead of doing it intelligently and selectively, we just kill everybody. And uh, that's, that's what conventional medicine does because they just don't know better, at least at the level of the clinic, they don't know better because that's all they've been taught. And they've also been taught that if you hear anything else, it's BS because it doesn't exist because we're the smartest people in the world, have the most money to put in our institutions and research. So therefore this is the only place where you're ever going to get truth, which is why the average average medical doctor is in disbelief whenever they, you know, get wind of, um, 
you know, some kind of alternative cure. And of course, you can't use the cure word because what the medical system has done is they have literally put patents on all these diseases. So it's not just that, oh, you're practicing medicine without a license. They've literally, uh, you know, copyrighted the word cancer. So if you say, oh, I'm treating cancer, you know, you're in copyright infringement. And again, it's the legal game, going back to what we said before, they get you on legalities and, and breaches of contract and that sort of thing, encroachment on uh, private patented intellectual property. And uh, so it doesn't matter what you called anyway, like I've never treated a case of cancer in my life, but over the years, uh, I've had a ton of people that have come in that had that diagnosis I don't care what you call it. What we do is we manage the ecology and then, you know, people have a much uh, more favorable outcome. So with limes, uh, if you have to wage war and you want an antibiotic effect, here's one of the things you can do that anybody can do. Colloidal silver has been proven very effective with limes. And in fact, uh, one of the better ways besides taking it orally, which would be good to take a certain amount orally, but you um, drip it down your sinuses several times a day and let it run you know, through your sinuses and down the back of your throat. Uh, when I had Lyme's, I had a lot of head symptoms and a lot of Lyme's people will tell you a bed of headaches and double vision and all sorts of weird stuff. And uh, that really kind of kept it at uh, you know, a less intense level when I did that regularly. Um, another where, where, thing, so, real quick, uh, just a question on that. So, how do you pronounce it? Spiro sheets or Spiro? Um, Spirochetes. Spirochetes. Okay, thanks. Um, now, where do these live? Are these in the gut or are these just in your bloodstream? Um, where's the point to attack them when you're, and you mentioned through the nose and stuff, and I actually I do a colloidal um, uh, oregano mixture uh, when I get. Mm -hmm stuff in there um but and it works amazing amazingly well but where where are you where does where does this bacteria live is it in the gut or is it just kind of uh interspersed throughout well the body? i think they can take up residence anywhere um i don't know the complete answer to that because i've never seen uh research that says they have any predilection to any particular system in the body i know they affect every system of the body because they're affecting by way of neurotoxins, uh, uh, neuromuscular junction and, and in your entire nervous system so that, you know, you get these paralysis symptoms and, and muscle wasting and that kind of thing. And, um, but, you know, when they're circulating, when they're uh, in their uh, life cycle, you know, uh, when you get the more the prominent uh, symptoms, you know, they're, they're back in your blood system and uh, secreting the neurotoxins into your blood system. So the way you attack them is systemically. You know, there, you can't just go to a certain part of the body. You have to have a systemic treatment. But if you have head symptoms, like a lot of Lyme sufferers have, if you uh, absorb the colloidal silver through your sinuses, it can have a great effect, you know, on those tissues that are being affected by the neurotoxins locally in that area. The other thing that's extremely effective um, is uh, oxidative therapies. One of the certifications that I did uh, 
years back was oxidative therapy, where we uh, learned how to use ozone therapy. Now, ozone is three oxygens, you know, like hydrogen peroxide is H2O2. And, you know, uh, by the way, hydrogen peroxide food grade is another um, thing that could be of value with Lyme's people. You can get that at health food stores. Uh, you want to do a 3%. They want self, they used to sell 30%, but you wouldn't want to take that. You want to dilute it. But they have a 3% solution that they still allow. They'll probably, you know, ban that pretty soon. But um, if you take uh, oral administration of uh, hydrogen peroxide drops, you know, for instance, about 15 drops of 3% in a glass of water a couple times a day, it can, uh, you know, have a, have a great effect too and have an antibiotic effect. But even better is O3, uh, which is ozone. Uh, the only issue with ozone is um, you'd have to buy a piece of equipment and uh, ozone generators are readily available on the internet. There's, you know, good ones and, and so-so ones, but they are more affordable and some good outfits selling those. Um, if you find a doctor, if you can afford to go to a character like myself that's been certified in ozone therapy, then you can have all different routes of administration. Um, one of the things uh, we do is take out 500 milliliters of blood and, uh, you know, ozonate it and then drip it back into the body, you know, through a ultraviolet light, you know, while it's going back in your uh, body, which further, further purifies the blood. And wow. you can get treatments like this periodically, which will kind of dope your whole, uh, uh, you know, blood because it spreads throughout the, the rest of the, um, you know, the blood, even though you're only taking out 500 milliliters. And, um, you know, that's going to have a, an infinitely greater uh, antibiotic effect with no side effects as compared to antibiotics. And the ozone, what it's going to do is create a great, level of oxygenation because when it hits your bloodstream the uh two of the oxygens break off as oxygen and then third one travels as like a free radical scavenger and um and you know has an effect on breaking down degrading toxins in your body and actually not a free radical scavenger for, forgive me it's actually um this would seem like a oxymoron to some people that are into uh, um, you know, antioxidants and things, but, um, you know, you want a balance of, um, antioxidants and reducing agents. And that's another whole story. We get a little technical, but the oxygens actually oxidize and, uh, but that can have a, a beneficial effect if you don't overdo it because that oxidation will degrade certain organisms and impurities so that your body can get rid of them. Mm. So you have that effect, but then mostly you're creating a, a much higher um, uh, level of oxygen in your system. And all of these um, afflictions thrive more in a low oxygen state and, uh, are, and are anaerobic. So when you increase oxygen, it's creating an unfavorable ecology where the, you know, spirochetes and, uh, you know, different kind of, um, you know, other kinds of... Uh, microbial things that are pathogenic they can't thrive in that state so the first thing you want to do is reoxygenate. now if you don't go to a doctor and get ivs and all that kind of stuff uh what you can do is get an ozone generator yourself and you can get them for about 500 bucks these days and you do rectal insufflation and here's what that means 
um, you take your um, uh, anybody that has an ozone generator, uh, you set the flow meter to two, and you set the regulator to 16, and that would be a good uh, titration. You know, you have to understand ozone is like a medicine. So just like any other medicine, you have to understand dosage. Uh, and that would be the dosage you'd want. And you take a catheter, you put it on the tube uh, of the outgoing ozone, and you put it about, you know, four or five inches up the rectum and put it in there for about two minutes. Uh, you know, you, then you hold the gas for at least 20 minutes to a half hour. It's not hard. And if you did that, daily, uh, over time, you would have the same effect as going to a doctor and spending a lot of money with IVs and such. Now, there's next level advancements of ozone therapy uh, beyond the IVs, which are very powerful, that are kind of work like a kidney dialysis where your blood pumps through and is ozonated and, and keeps making passes. So, you know, you get a lot more uh, done. But again, uh, those are very expensive and it requires, a, you know, a, a paid professional. So um, somebody was in the middle of a, an ongoing condition. It doesn't have to just be Lyme's, you know, it could be, uh, you know, the C word or, or any other such thing or neurological disorder. And if you, uh, it would be worth bringing 500 bucks doing daily rectal insufflations, you know, it takes two minutes. And if you're regular with it, you're going to have maybe, I would argue, even a better effect because you're just doing it more gentle and gradual and sustaining it over a long period of time as opposed to going in with one heroic effort and spending four or 500 bucks and, and you know, then going back next month when you can afford it again. Um, what about... Uh, go ahead. Do you have something to say? Oh, I was going to say, what about carbon 60? Um. Well, carbon-60 has uh, a detox effect, which can degrade a lot of the, you know, possible byproducts of uh, pathogenic organisms, you know, and the things they secrete for sure. It's also going to definitely uh, improve your resilience so that you have, you know, a little more wind in your cells when you're trying to fight these things off. So, yeah, carbon-60 can be a great adjunctive. Um, like we spoke about in other podcasts, though, uh, what carbon 60 practitioners and, and just lay people that use carbon 60 don't take into account is how to maintain a balance. And uh, as we've mentioned, carbon 60 is a very young substance. Uh, it works a lot because most people when they're down and out are, uh, you know, on the flip side of the uh, coin, you know, energetically. So, you know, they take a young substance and they don't burn out on it. But if you're taking carbon 60, it would be nice to have a little bit more advanced knowledge on how to keep yourself in a state of balance and not just doing uh, remedies that, you know, like within Chinese medicine, we would call them tonifying and, uh, you know, need to be balanced out. A good formula, for instance, uh, which we're doing with carbon 60 behind the scenes would uh, have in a single formula things within the carbon-60 that would also um, create more of a balance effect for the carbon-60 so you don't even have to worry about it. Uh, but carbon-60, yeah, would be helpful to most people. Um, and then the way I would approach things is just the way I practice with other people is every case is individual. So you have to have a way to tune in, even if it's just intuitively 
and uh, not look at any one thing like it's going to be the silver bullet and get you over the hump. You have to look at your whole being and not the least of which you have to pay attention to is your uh, knowledge of your spiritual level and understand that that's the most scientific thing in the world and have a practice where you can keep your head straight while you're getting through all this stuff on the ground. Yeah, I want to get um, I want to get more into that in a second. I just have a couple more questions on the allopath, on the allopathic side. Um, what about like turpentine um, as a potential way to kill as well? I know um, it's funny. I, I I kind of played around a little bit with the turpentine and the sugar cubes thing just to see if I had any worm stuff. I know there's been great success. I mean, it's kind of like a classic old school um, uh, farmer tradition of using turpentine with tapeworm uh, along with um, castor oil and stuff. I mean, these kind of very old school techniques, uh, is there much um, use to them for Lyme, you think, and as far as eradicating stuff? Or is this kind of just too, too home, homeopathic in a way? Well, turpentine by itself, uh, I've never... I don't have any firsthand experience of seeing people use it for limes. Mm -hmm. I personally, you know, back before I was retired and actually seeing people actively with that kind of stuff, um, I would do other things that I knew were effective. Uh, turpentine, first to understand, all this is an essential oil. You know, you hear turpentine and you say, oh my God, that's paint thinner. You know, why would I drink that? Well, you're not drinking it. It's... It's the essence from a tree and uh, you have to use it judiciously and a little goes a long way like a, a, a drop on a sugar cube, that kind of thing administered over time and, and, and that sort of thing, you know, um, you know, do your own research. I'm not recommending this to anybody, but I've used it myself. I've, you know, used it with my own kids, uh, you know, growing up in Hawaii, they're running around and, you know, we used to live in Fiji and Hawaii and, you know, and, and, and this was in the old days before Hawaii was developed. We're on an outer island and, you know, you, kids are always getting stuff and exposed to stuff. So, yeah, those, uh, they grew up with all that sort of thing and, and it worked brilliantly. So it's just a natural medicine. And it wasn't just an old wives' tale kind of a farmer remedy. Um, this was used by the average nature path uh, not that long ago. And remember, nature paths were the doctor of the day before the Rockefeller takeover yeah. and uh, who brought paved the way with their power and influence over governments, which got there. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I want to see that. Yeah. That's awesome. Is, I just so got, that was um, home physician. When was copyrighted? Uh, 1920. Oh yeah. So I believe this is pre Rockefeller um, big pharma. Yeah. 1923. Pacific Press Publishing. Um, I'm I'm really into old books, and I want to dive into this and see how much kind of uh, more um, naturalistic cures and stuff uh, are in this. Because this is this isn't like a um, uh, you know naturopathic in a sense. This is before the term naturopathic. This was just mainstream medicine back yeah, then. As doctor. Yeah. Yeah, uh, those are the good ones. Look for those old books. And, uh, you know, fortunately, with a lot of my training, after my conventional training, I, you know, was exposed to a lot of that. And a lot of uh, the training I had was um, 
from Europe. And in Europe, you know, because medicine was a seamless tradition from, you know, your Rudolf Steiner kind of people, um, you know, and all those, uh, you know, just those truths that have been kept alive throughout Europe for centuries. And not just exclusive to Europe, because they incorporated things from all over the world. And you get into the, the true alchemist. Uh, and when I say alchemist, that's real science. And maybe we'll say a word about that before we're through, if we have time. But um, like Periclesis and, and folks that understood how to make real medicines, which we're doing ourselves on site here now. Um, but they understood how to, you know, treat the whole person, how to use uh, uh, medicines in their whole state. And then what they did in Europe, now it's all been shut down and the average person practicing in Europe uh, is just as dumb as people over here. <laughs> um, and that's because for a while, and I was fortunate, I got in that last little window, you know, in the 60s, 70s. And uh, you had that old school tradition where they didn't throw out the baby with the bathwater and, um, you, you know, you had the original microbiologists uh, like Gunther Enderlein and Bouchamp and folks like that, that, um, you know, fortunately, they were, their teachings were suppressed and then they trotted out Louis Pasteur, who is a stooge, paid for a stooge that, you know, uh, brought in the whole germ theory kind of nonsense. The Pasteur, and, the Pasteur versus Bouchamp should be a live stream that's something i i gotta write down we gotta do a whole yeah yeah or deep dive on that because that's so is, yeah that's the groundwork for modern medicine yeah but i agree so uh just to finish that off they um back when i was studying they had contemporary uh what we would think of as science but the best of it that was used to augment and further evolve the old school things and uh, shed even further insight. Like we had technologies and, and things that we could use that they didn't have back then. And so we were able to just build and that's what humanity is about. That's what you call evolution. Um, evolution isn't a good word. That's a linear concept. It's actually the expansion of our collective consciousness because evolution does not happen in a straight line. Uh, that's another part of that whole Dar Darwin, uh, you know, um, materialism. So, um, so anyway, you know, what I learned was old world integrated with all the best of, you know, contemporary understanding so that everything just got better and more effective. And, um, so, uh, uh, turpentine back to, I think we're talking about yes. turpentine that was one of those old remedies back then I had to think what the how the hell did we get here um turpentine is uh you know been used for centuries and uh you know again it's an essential oil I, I think it's best probably for uh larger parasitic kind of organisms it, it, but that's all that I used to use it for like worms and things like that yep. and it worked it worked great worked great makes sense um, I don't know if it would be a go-to for limes or not. One other uh, question. Um, I am seeing, actually, you can research it on, uh, on Google. There's tons of turpentine, lime stuff. Um, one other thing, too, I always kind of am a huge fan of Edgar Cayce. And, of course, lime is way after uh, Edgar Cayce. Um, but I just kind of uh, 
uh, still always curious and because people have been really uh, are always kind of still expanding on um, his uh, cures and stuff that he was able to channel or uh, dive into the collective conscious to pull out. And for those who don't know about Edgar Casey, I mean, he has been proven undoubtedly um, that he was tapping into some sort of knowledge because um, of all the, the real life cases of people that he uh, who followed what he recommended and were healed of stuff that uh, modern at that time, modern medicine couldn't help them with. But anyways, as an aside, have you heard of the radiac machine? It's like a three carbon system. I believe discovered by now it's radiac. R A D I. Tell me about it. Oh, I don't know. I was just curious. This is something that um, someone was saying they use to finally cure themselves of Lyme. And um, yeah, uh, it's, um, I was just curious. Well, I'm not going to get too Can deep. they tell you anything else about it? Um, it's a trademark three carbon system, charcoal enhanced. Um, it, and he talks about how. Um, basically, um, well, well, one question, you know, I asked about where, where these uh, spiral sheets or whatever reside. And they say in here, they say that he was told that they like to go down to the bones and they hide pretty deep. Um, so that's why they affect the joints. So prevalently, and a lot of people have long-term joint issues after they have Lyme. So yeah, he's absolutely uh, correct. Or she, so he says how he got a radiac unit um and um there's uh yeah and you use it with the solution and he's actually talking about using it with um it looks like a um a silver so i thought that if a silver injections could kill syphilis spiral sheets spiral sheets then maybe the vibrations of these solutions could do the same for lime spiral sheets the spiral sheets might try to hide but they cannot escape the solution vibrations that would flow through every part of my body in mid-March 2004, I got the Vibridex 185 Lime Solution from, they actually have a solution for Lime, I guess, from Bear Products. And, and this is not from, this is actually from the Casey site. And started the four-day um, cycle on my body. And this guy had been, been afflicted for like a decade. Um, after two days into the cycle, I started to feel worse. That was actually good news. I knew from experience that what my doctor had said was true, that uh, spire sheets die. They produce toxins that make you feel very poorly. We completed the four-day cycle, and for two more days after that, I felt badly. Then I slowly started to feel better. About two weeks after the cycle, I decided to repeat it. At that time, I did not get a toxins reaction, so I believe that all the um, spiral sheets might be dead. To be certain, I repeated the four-day cycle with a fresh solution. And then uh, essentially, in the end, um, he comes out all good and is, is finally healed. So um, something maybe yeah. to look into. Um, so uh, radiac, uh, radiac.org, I just found it. And this is a wonderful thing I love about what we're doing here because, uh, you know, and with my clients as well, you know, I still do a lot of consulting. I uh, just had a client flying from Portugal just left. Um, so I still see people from all over the world. Even though I'm retired, I just don't have a clinic. Um, but anyway, uh, you learn new things all the time. And what I always found curious is you go into the, you know, the average doctor's office, and hey, unfortunately, it's the truth, and you mention something like this, they go, ah, you know, and it's just, you know, garbage, and, you know, if I haven't heard about it. But, you know, a good doctor, um, you know, you hear something like this, the first thing I do is uh, I research it, and whoever brought this up in the chat, thank you. 
I'm very curious about this. I'm going to research it. I want to know, you know, a lot of levels. Uh, I'll probably end up calling these people and getting technical specs. And, you know, I just want to know how it works. So, yeah, so, so thanks, because this is the way I keep growing and I keep learning. And, you know, no stone should be left unturned. Um, so I can't remark intelligently about it now, but uh, hopefully well, next time I'll know more. Up. B-A-A-R dot com. Um, yeah, he's the guy yeah. that invented it. Yeah, and I just have got that. Edgar Casey Healthcare and Castor Oil Care and, and interesting stuff. It sounds like uh, using some of the stuff Edgar Casey had discovered in a new kind of more modern technology. So Okay, so uh, which, uh, which that one again? B-A-A-R dot com. B-A-A-R.com. So. Are they selling that? Because I don't see any products on the website. Oh, I'm on. forward slash. Anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, let me look into this. We'll both look into it. And oh. I'm, oh, yeah, there we go. Full spectrum CBD, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay. yeah I mean. Awesome. The, the, it's just amazing how much is at our fingertips uh, with me just doing a quick little dive into some of this stuff right when we're doing this chat, you know, what is uncovered. And it's just fascinating that um, the average individual just immediately when they have something wrong, they make an appointment or they go to a clinic or emergency room or something, and then they're funneled into the pharmaceutical system, which we know is just petrochemical companies um, profit, profitizing off fossil fuels in a way that both allows them to make more money uh, off the fossil fuels while also creating more sickness and um, more money through the, you know, the the bloated health system. So, uh, without getting people have the ability now to to um, you know f fix their own ailments better than ever. A lot of the things that I used to travel around the world, you know, learning, you know, getting in the hip pocket of different doctors and and learning from them and everything. Now you can just you know go do a couple clicks and and find out all about it. And uh, the main thing that people have to learn is how to learn. You know, all this, see the other the part of the scam is we've all been taught that, well, unless you're a doctor or an engineer or something, you know, it's way above your head. No, it's not. You know, that's just to keep the priest class intact and to keep you subservient. So my main purpose, uh, even back when I was in my active career days, but especially now, um, is to teach people how to be their own doctors. You know, one of my heroes uh, you know, in the past was uh, Albert Schweitzer, Dr. Albert Schweitzer's cool guy, straight MD, but really an awesome guy when you study his life. And he coined the term the inner physician, and you know, which was originally borrowed from Hippocrates. And that's what it's about. A physician is supposed to teach people how to find the healing within themselves. And um, so, you know, you have everything at your disposal. Don't disempower yourself uh, by running to experts immediately. Um, I mean, if there's something really dramatic going on, yeah, you, you might be in over your head and you might need some technologies and assistance. On the other hand, most of the time, you'd be surprised how much you can fix. And each episode you have uh, along that line, you're going to be more empowered the next time until the, you, know, you, you won't have any health afflictions at all. Uh, another little thing that is interesting, we won't get too deep into it. There was a little gizmo that was created uh, by a gentleman. I won't talk long or, or much detail about this. It was created in, um, and it's very simple. I mean, it's just a 
a wall transformer and, and some silver electrodes. And uh, there's a very precise uh, wire configuration of these four prongs. Um, now this generates silver, but not silver colloids. A regular silver generator has two prongs. And what it does is it creates up an electrolysis so you can make silver uh, solution of yourself at home, which is good. You know, it's a good way to have your own pharmacy for less money. Uh, although it's kind of a cruder form of colloidal silver, but it'll work. Um, this has four, and also because of the configuration and the exact voltage that's uh, paired with it, it creates the exact waveform of silver, the way silver would be recognized according to waveform mechanics in nature. Uh, that gets into all that stuff, so we'll spare mm -hmm. you for that for right now. But if you put this in water, um, what happens, and you've seen it, Mike, Yep. Uh, where it turns the water kind of a milky white and it's actually silver without the colloid. So it's a very high energetic state of silver, not to be confused with homeopathic silver. That's different again, but you're actually getting silver without the possibility of um, overdoing it and contaminating yourself. Say you have limes for a few years and you, uh, you know, are taking a lot of silver because you find it helps, but it's not getting you all the way over the hump and you know after a while the silver can build up it would take an inordinate amount but it is possible uh, and the way this was developed you'd have to understand the gentleman that developed this he was tapped in on another whole level and understood Walter Russell principles and things and the fact that all the elements on the elemental chart are only distinguished by their configuration in an electrical waveform and that's what creates that matter that we call silver or any other element that really isn't matter. Uh, again, that gets into the whole simulation business. But um, this creates the waveform. And uh, he had somebody come to him that was being helped by silver, but he's turning blue. Again, most people don't worry. You're not going to go to the health food store and get a thing of silver and take some drops and turn blue. Uh, you know, take an extreme amount over a long period of time. However, this guy was doing it, and it has been known to happen with certain people. And he asked this guy, okay, any way you can create, you know, give, make silver, because this guy was known to be a genius of certain types and, uh, you, you know, and a, a serious inventor. And he said, uh, can you make me silver because it helps, but the stuff that won't turn me blue. He says, well, you know, too late. You've already kind of done it to yourself, but I can't create silver that won't turn you blue in the future. And so he worked with just the waveform mechanics, um, created, you know, he said, well, you need a four prong uh, thing. And, and, and when you understand the geometry, this would make perfect sense. And I, I'll stop there. Um, and then the, the waveform. And so this, uh, and I don't sell these, uh, you know, I'm not affiliated with people that sell these. These are within certain closed circles that are doing a lot of things that would astound the average person out there, uh, you know, as far as the things that are already uh, have been invented and in play and very effective. Um, so this is just one of them. And by the way, this doesn't erode the silver prongs, but the current in conjunction with the silver prongs is what makes it work. But these will last forever, whereas a regular silver uh, generator with the two prongs, you have to replace the prongs periodically because you're literally electro, uh, electrolyzing the, uh, or through electrol, uh, electrolysis, um, you know, imparting the silver ions into the solution. 
and um, and and so the silver actually degrades. This will never degrade because it's not uh, imparting silver ions into the water or colloids of any type. So it's completely non-toxic. You can never get in trouble with it. You drink a whole eight ounce glass or a quart, whatever, and it works like colloidal silver. Only I think better. So no. Um, so no, maybe uh, that will be available someday. No future potential to join Blue Man Group or something. Uh, turning blue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to see those for sale, but it's not going to happen. Well, uh, because they probably go after them. And I, I don't know. You know. Yeah, let's. Uh, uh, just uh, things like that tend to disappear quick. Yeah, of course. Unfortunately, well, hopefully we can get past that um, reality soon and uh, through decentralization and stuff like uh, crypto and blockchain. Um, but yeah, so. Um, uh, just to kind of go full circle on the lime and we'll, we'll call it soon. We've been going for over almost an hour and a half. So, um, but uh, yeah, the, uh, on your personal experience then besides the allopathic, um, you know, attacking the lime, then what else, what are, let's say I'm coming to you and I, I have, I've discovered I have Lyme disease and um, you we, we've obviously known each other a long time. So you kind of know where I'm coming from. And let's say you have my whole background and everything without taking blood samples and stuff besides the colloidal silver or using that machine and, and other ways to attack it. What are other things that you did or you recommend then to go kind of to make sure that our immune system and everything is optimized enough to, um, you know, hopefully eradicate the issue. Well, for myself, other than colloidal silver to dampen the um, condition, you know, the intensity, it was more of an internal job. I did take a few rounds of isopathics, which gets into Enderlein's work and understanding the cyclic nature of organisms that live inside of us and how they will go through cyclic changes to do jobs in our body. And that's another whole level of uh, pharmacology I learned in Germany. And, uh, you know, those were available in this country for a while and they've just been recently eradicated because even a few MDs out there were starting to catch on that, wow, this stuff actually works and even better than antibiotics. And, and so I did do a few rounds of those and that was helpful, but ultimately it was uh, my internal practices and um, I'll, I'll hold off on that just for a second. Um, other things that you could do um, you know, obviously you want to look at your whole lifestyle, uh, depend, you know, we're all different. So you have to really be able to honestly assess where you're at. If you're eating devitalized food and, and, you know, that sort of thing, then you really need to go to school real quick and understand how to, uh, you know, get yourself a good, alive, enzyme rich food. Uh, you might want to do, um, things that are going to start flushing your system out, you know, especially your filtration system. You know, a lot of um, old school remedies that work the best. And you can even go back into the gospel of the Essenes where Jesus is uh, preaching to the Essenes and telling them how to do these exact things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how to flush out their lower bowel with certain herbs and things. Uh, interestingly, a lot of this stuff was left out of the Bible. You know, a lot of the, the real scriptures that have more of a, a direct connection with, uh, you know, people like Jesus, um, you know, have all mysteriously been left out and just 
you know, the stuff that gets in there is reinterpreted and, you know, that's another whole can of worms, but there is a lot of good stuff in scriptures, but, um, you know, these remedies have been around and proven effective forever. So uh, one really effective one these days that I think everybody on the planet should be doing are coffee enemas. Now, uh, you know, we're all squeamish, especially in the Western world about, oh, enemas, that's weird. Well, the thing is, is you go elsewhere in the world and it's just old school. They understand it and they just do it. They get sick. They stop eating. They do enemas, that kind of stuff. But what coffee enemas do is the coffee uh, different than when you drink it. It's absorbed into your liver directly bypasses digestion and it creates a reaction in the liver where the liver dumps all the, 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 you know, the stuff that's bogging up the filtration system because the liver's a, you know, a component in the entire plumbing system, the lymphatics, uh, along with the spleen and, and all the lymph nodes, you know, that, that follow all the conduits of uh, lymphatic channels. And so uh, those guys need to be flushed out. Um, you know, liken it to your, you know, if you have a truck and you're off-roading every day, you're going to have to change the oil filter more often. Now, yep. fact is, these days our bodies are off-roading every single day because of all the contaminations that we are exposed to. These things didn't even exist not that long ago. So if you don't understand, uh, you know, what you're dealing with, and what your internal organs are subjected with, you aren't going to know that, you know, your innate healing abilities are being stymied because you can't even flush your own toilet internally because the, uh, you know, the liver is backed up, the lymphatics are engorged, and, and now your body has no other recourse but to start, you know, depositing, um, you know, uh, these things, uh, you know, and walling it off and little tissues and joints and things like that in the body. And, um, and then those areas, you know, start fermenting, become anaerobic. And then with time, it necessitates a biological reaction, like growing more cells that our brilliant doctors say, oh my God, you have a tumor. When in fact, the body's just trying to grow more tissue because every cell is uh, like a little respirator. Uh, are you okay? I just got a little notice. Anyway, every cell brings in oxygen and the more that you bring in uh, oxygen with the extra cells, it actually turns around the fermentation, could start cleaning up those areas where the body is making deposits. And, and, and if you do it right, the, you know, along with other things we know how to do, the, the growth actually goes away. It served its purpose. But the way you can prevent that or help yourself prevent those things is to keep yourself cleaned out. Coffee enemas, you should be doing, you know, one, three times a week these days. You know, in the old days, I'd say, yeah, you know, when people get sick, it's a good idea or people with these diagnoses, they should, you know, be doing them regularly until they're out of the woods. So you brew yourself about a pint, pint of organic coffee. We have specialized coffee we use. It's a little different. It's raw and we complex with other herbs and things, but just good old fashioned organic coffee. Uh, let it cool to room temperature, about a pint. Uh, you know, you take it up, you know, in an enema, and then you hold it for about, uh, you know, 20 minutes and then let it go. And then your liver just dumps everything. And, you know, this was developed during World War One and Two, where the nurses didn't have enough morphine for all the wounded soldiers and they're in great pain out there. And they found that when, uh, you know, they discovered how to do this, 
And uh, when they uh, flushed the liver out, it got rid of a lot of the metabolites and, uh, you know, things that create great pain in the body and it would help manage these, these people's pain out in the fields. And then, you know, then it was adapted with nature paths and people after that and, um, you know, used for just regular, uh, you know, preventative medicine. So you could uh, be doing that, especially if you have limes, you want to keep everything moving, uh, eat clean, uh, just drink, you know, copious amounts of good alive water. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, different herbs and things that you could, um, uh, you know, we could talk about, but every individual is a little bit differently. Uh, there's one company, uh, they only sell the physician types, chiropractors and naturopaths and MDs and such. Uh, but it's, uh, they're in Northern California. It's called Byron White. B-Y-R-O-N, last name White, W-H-I-T. He's made some really stiff, uh, I've used them very successfully with people, uh, really st uh, stiff and intelligent formulations that really work. And he has a whole Lyme's um, uh, number of products that uh, could be very good. And so if you can't call them up and order yourself, which you can if you're not a doctor type, uh, you can call him up and just say, hey, uh, who do you know in my area that buys your stuff? Mm. And, you know, might be a local chiropractor, naturopath. And so that's another good resource. These things really work good. Okay. Uh, and, you know, you should be able to get these somehow. Um, so uh, ozone, colloidal yeah. silver, H2O2, a uh, little round of MSM. Uh, you know, might actually be good in helping you clean up the terrain. And, you know, I know of a lot of other things, but what I'm trying to do off the top of my head is come up with things where the average person could do these things. Sure. What about, uh, what yeah. about CBD? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, CBD could be fantastic. Now, I think CBDs um, really need to go the next level of manufacturing because what they've done is they've taken the whole plant and isolated certain things that are very useful, namely the CBDs, but there's all sorts of things that they don't know about. So you need to go to old school spagyricism and make it right. Yeah. And I don't know anybody that's doing that with uh, hemp now or cannabis. Got it. Um, I and that's the way, that's another discussion, but that's yeah. how, we're making our tinctures here. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah. I do have, I had a question and this would be a good refresher real quick for me is um, light workers asking how to use MSM. It's been a while since I've done it. It's a two solution thing, right? Yeah. You have to activate it yeah. and you have activators, you know, companies will have their own activators. So you, you, you activate it and then you drink it. Now it depends what you're trying to use it for. Like in Africa when they're eradicating malaria, which of course nobody wants to hear about, but it definitely killed malaria all the time. Um, you know, then they would do very intensive protocols or, you know, some kind of parasitic infestation. Then um, uh, off the top of my head, I've got all the formulas I could go in and get all that. We can post, you know, formulas, but um, uh, you know, there's a whole protocol where you go through a certain time period and you take pretty stiff amounts I don't think that's necessary for the average person. I think for the average person, if you just took a couple drops in water, uh, you know, uh, you know, daily, 
where it's not going to uh, have any radical uh, effect. It's very gentle. And over time, it would have uh, you know, a good effect. If I had limes, yeah, I might actually think about doing one of those uh, hero programs, you know, where you take large amounts. And you know, um, if anybody wants to find out sooner, just go on the internet and you'll find uh, you know, uh, protocols and dosage recommendations. They're, they're all over yeah. the place. I mean, once I was, uh, uh, when I used to drink uh, and I was DJing one morning, I was at your son's house and I thought it was aloe and I downed a whole bottle of it. Remember, I think. No. We, yeah. I think we called you. Oh. I was all freaking out. And. Um, oh, I, I might recall that. Actually. Yeah, that was, a while, that was in my younger days. And. Uh, so were you. Um, I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> well, I won't say anything. I was just going to ask if maybe you were. Uh, in an altered state or something oh, or uh, really how did that over. happen? I was just really hung over. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, when in the I never stage, did I that like, in my college years, uh, so I don't know. Um, okay. Well, um, yeah, the, I guess we can kind of wrap it up here um, on the more personal level. So uh, is you, something we always talk about is, uh, oh, and, and real quick too, on the uh, coffee enema, we do sell, as you briefly mentioned, but I'm, as the more marketer here, we do sell a wonderful um, formulation of uh, coffee that comes with aloe concentrate and some other herbs and such, which I personally uh, can attest to and use that um, one of the reasons why I did quit alcohols, I used to get these horrendous, um, in the last few years, horrendous hangovers and migraines really. And one of the only things that would alleviate the symptoms would be doing a coffee enema. It really, really works for that. Um, and, uh, you, you feel the caffeine kind of course through you and then, um, it's just like immediate effect. Um, and something I try to do once a week, even though maybe more now once a month, just cause I've been so busy, but, um, <laughs> you can go on alphavedic.com and get our, um, coffee, uh, our co coffee cleanse formula. Um, and just to kind of wrap it up finally here, um, as you were working on yourself with Lyme, you said that you worked internally a little bit, and this is something we talk about a lot. And once you understand wave mechanics and you understand kind of how the simulation works, really all this other stuff, you know, doesn't even totally matter if you can totally master your internal milieu and your internal, excuse me, your internal, um, I guess, uh, energetic uh, spirit body, if you will. Um, so what were some of the things that you did? And um, we can kind of, wrap it up there with that okay um this is something that you know it's very personal and the average person that would ask me this not that it's over their head or they're not capable but it's a it's a process to get to a place where these things actually work better than anything mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that you're you know special or more evolved than anybody but it's, it's a process that anybody can get to. So if I were to, you know, talk along these lines, I'm not pretentiously, uh, you know, alluding to great spiritual insight or, 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 or pretending to be anywhere different than anyone else on the planet. But again, anybody can get there. But if you haven't done the baby steps, then you might need to go back to ground zero and, you know, do some other things to, you know, to bring yourself along. Um, I just, for whatever reason, uh, you know, through 
athletic competition that then led to martial arts, then led to internal martial arts, and then hanging out with these people from the old world and different cultures that, um, you know, really understood how to harness, uh, uh, you know, through their own focus in the mental plane, uh, be able to manipulate their own energy systems and physiology to a certain extent. Um, you know, I had about, I don't know, 35 years or so experience in that. So by the time I had limes, I had a, enough, not just practice, but experience of, of actual results in different areas of my life um, where that's where I knew I needed to go. And part of the healing, which we're all in the process of healing ourselves, whether we know it or not. And my healing was that path. And a lot of it was, you know, working through conduits in Europe also with the old Rosicrucian school and the, you know, the Steiner networks. And I studied with the, you know, kind of the, the heavyweight of the whole Steiner world at that point. And I've, I've told you about him, Mike, the, the um, famous composer from Germany who was still living at that time, kind of took me under his wing and he was a, renowned Steiner uh, educator and we became close friends. And um, so, you know, Steiner just, um, not just Steiner, many, you know, that whole school, but I just use him because he's a recognizable name. And, uh, you know, he put uh, science in, uh, you know, in its proper um, context uh, that is not separate from consciousness and, and, you know, help, people that uh, understand that, you know, it is our consciousness that is in charge all the time, whether we know it or not. And then the martial arts were nothing more than a, from another culture, um, developing practices to use not just body movements, but internal uh, techniques to move your energy, uh, you know, like anybody can train themselves to uh, move their energy in their body where you can adjust your own spine. I mean, you literally hear things adjust audibly. You can move energy to uh, different energy spots uh, when you have to do something that, you know, where your energy there would be helpful. Uh, or, or if you're going into your solar plexus into fear and fight, flight and all that kind of thing, if you understand how to just physically manipulate your energy into your heart center, which is your most intelligent mind, uh, then it's literally like a furnace that will burn up those fears and, and, uh, and just those kind of egoic reactions, um, you know, no matter what drama you find yourself in the middle of, so that, you know, you can you know, transcend and, and then also not do that to your chemistry where, you know, most people are just, it's one dramatic event after another and their chemistry is just, you know, an accident waiting to happen for every disease in the book. So um, anyway, you know, I had enough experience and then, you know, having a, you know, a whole lifetime in the healing arts, um, you know, that helps. And, you know, that old saying, you teach what you need to learn most, uh, you know, I, believe that was especially true in my experience you know i needed you know i think i'm a slow learner and i needed to see literally thousands of people going through their process and facilitating that process so that i once and for all just had my belief system 
changed all the doubts and everything that one might entertain. Like, wow, does it really work that way? Why? I've no doubt anymore because I oversee, I've overseen many people, literally thousands, uh, go through that process, come out the other end. And uh, so that was my education. And uh, so that coupled with the, uh, the other arts, when I got uh, contracted limes, I knew that's where I had to go. So that's why I didn't, you know, I have, uh, you know, people on the business friends and, uh, you know, that like one guy in particular is from Germany. He's considered the uh, limes expert of the world, that kind of thing. You know, I could have easily just uh, run up there to him and, you know, and, but I knew that wasn't my path. Not that that wouldn't be helpful, but it wasn't my path. So, Above all, you have to honor where you're at, have to intelligently assess where you're at and treat yourself where you're at. That's where I was at. So I uh, had internal practices that I literally sat with, especially the last six months when I realized, okay, you know, I'm used to, you know, as an old jock, just, uh, you know, ignore it and it'll go away kind of thing and tough it out. Well, it wasn't going away. So the last six months, I said, okay, I, I've, got to, I've got to get on my A game here. And, um, and I did that. And so I, you know, for a good few hour block of time every day, I just sat still with myself. And, um, you know, as best as I was able to do, um, kind of healed that separation that we all perceive between ourselves and I'll just call it the electronic body, which we all have hanging out right over our head, whether we believe it or not, which is the stream of energy that keeps us in the simulation every single moment. If it wasn't for that electronic body, which is our true self, um, you know, uh, when it perceives that you are not gaining any more wisdom or soul expansion within the simulation, then it's only a matter of time before that energy is withdrawn. And then that's what we call the death experience. Well, it doesn't have to be um, when you have, uh, you know, taken steps to really perceive yourself as one and the same and that all power comes from there. And, uh, you know, like that's where some of the, the and I'm not getting all religious because I'm not a religious person. Spiritual and religious, I think, are two different things. But, you know, in the scriptures, uh, you know, the, like, for instance, Jesus would say, uh, you know, without the Father, I am nothing. I mean, he said that. And with that, he was referring to exactly that. I am means, um, you know, that electronic body. And when you say I am, then you are not perceiving yourself here as the real deal. This is just a projection. And without the energy coming through, that projection would literally evaporate in a moment and you just go bye-bye. So the healing is really unifying yourself with who you really are. And um, in, uh, you know, with the internal practices, I, you know, not saying I'm there by a long shot or whatever, but I was able to, in those moments, um, create that unity to an extent where I would have um, periods where, and, and my symptoms were dramatic, but all of a sudden I would get conscious because I'd realize I don't have any symptoms. But an interesting thing happened. As soon as I thought, and I was elated, like the symptoms are gone, they come back. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, again, I'm a slow learner, but finally 
what dawned on me is that just the mere, for me, what I, you know, needed for my own experience, just the mere recognition of symptoms brought me back into the matrix, into the illusion. And there I was again. So I had to, uh, you know, you can't struggle, but it was a struggle. But, you know, when you're there, it's not a struggle. It's actually a luxury. But I would get in those moments where not only would things abate, but also um, I just, you know, obviously intellectually, you're going to be aware of what you're going through and you're not memory of it. But in your emotional body, you're no longer excited like, oh, is it gone? I don't feel it. Uh, you just kind of keep that center no matter what you, you're experiencing, whether you um, project it as good or bad, you just have to keep that center. And, and the connection from your electronic body to that center. And uh, when I did that long enough, built up the momentum enough, which is, was a fantastic experience because it got me to another level in my process that's never left me, um, then it went away. And are you? And, uh, that probably sounds like gobbledygook to some people, but that was my experience. So, were you using like visualization tactics and or techniques too, where you were kind of meditating? Yes. And yeah, and um, you know, I've I've used such techniques with my kids when one of them was really had a high fever, and uh, I laid with him at night, uh, chest to chest, and literally kind of meditated into his fever. And this sounds crazy too. And I kind of visualized his fever going into me and me dispersing it. And within an hour, his fever broke. So um, crazy stuff. But um, yeah, uh, it and is. When very- you're working with other people, um, rather than taking it on at all on yourself, because I learned that in the early days, being a practitioner, you know, you'd, you'd be going along. I see 30 people every single day, you know, back in the clinic days. And, uh, you know, we had a whole staff, so I, I could accommodate that and give good quality care. But, um, you know, you just see wonderful people have great experience. And then you get that one person through no fault of their own. But some people are a little bit more adept at getting their tentacles in you. And then you, that one person you take home and it would be devastating. So you learn right away how to you know protect yourself from that kind of thing and uh, even if you're with a loved one you don't want to take on their energy so there's a way where you can go from your electronic body to their electronic body and work from there so that it's uh, bypasses you entirely and that actually it's more effective and you know then you get used to it at the same time and i found out after years of practice um you know i could go into work feeling maybe on any particular day, maybe a little less energetic than on any given day. And at the end of work, I'd be more energized every single time. Mm-hmm. And to this day, if I ever, you know, work with somebody at the end of the session, I'm more energized because you just learn how not to give your energy away, make yourself a conduit. And when you are a conduit, uh, you get, uh, you get pumped as well. And so, um, you know, a whole different ball game fascinating um well cool i think that leaves it open uh for future conversations going more into um the inner work and the inner ability to heal and to um you know kind of uh 
deal with these more um, physical issues. Um, it, it does, this is what poetry is, right? Um, trying to describe these things. Um, it gets difficult. So, um, And uh, like they say, as soon as you try to name it, it doesn't work anymore because go back to our earlier discussion of corporations being fictions, anything you put words on becomes a fiction. That's why in the old alchemical schools, which was real science, if you understand what they're really up to, they use a lot of symbology because that would uh, create engrams within the mental plane that were universal and very effective uh, without creating the, the confusion and partitions that words create that bring you right back into the matrix. So there's a reason why indigenous languages were all bastardized and, um, you know, uh, um, you know, given past and future tense and all these things that they didn't originally have or why indigenous people, uh, when they became conquered, uh, were not even allowed to speak their mother tongue. And, uh, so language is a weapon and no more so than in our present culture in the English language. The English language is very powerful and has some positive qualities, but at the same time, it's probably been weaponized more than any other. Yeah, I know the introduction of the phonetic languages back in the day, and this goes to like the Tower of Babel and stuff, um, was an intentional way to, to maintain the matrix control. And like the idea of Latin, which is the basis for most Western languages, like no one even knows what Latin means, which is kind of mm -hmm. funny. I mean, everyone in English and Fran French and German, et cetera, we know the Latin base for most words and where we get the meaning, but we actually don't know the, where we'll, the actual word Latin comes from or where it came derived from. It's fascinating stuff. Language is crazy. Um, the fact that we, how we think, right? We think in phonetic words in our mind. Um, we lost the ability in many ways to think in symbols. Um, so uh, yeah, we can go, God, that's a, super interesting long conversation we could have down the line but i think we're good i think we um we touched on a lot hopefully um we've helped some that um you know unfortunately might be dealing with limes or have a loved one dealing with lime um hopefully we gave some just really practical advice and also opened up uh other channels of thought into how um you know we can deal as um we can deal with these afflictions beyond just the physical and this also relates to things like cancer and other maladies uh, that um, can affect us. And, um, you know, that's something, uh, another topic I want to dive more into down the line is cancer, uh, the, C, the big C word. So that'll be another future one we'll go more into. Um, any parting words for um, those that have stuck with us? We've definitely, we've, we've had um, people on the live stream this whole time. We appreciate everybody who's been involved with the chat and listening. Um, it's been, uh, it's been a good one. I think, uh, any parting words, Dr. Lando? Yeah. The only thing I'd say is anybody with limes or have a loved one with limes, don't give up hope because again, I saw many, many cases over the years and, uh, I can't think of one person that didn't get better again, not because of me, but because we do know how to work with the body and understand things that aren't taught in conventional schooling. And, um, and it's just a matter of getting out of your own way. And, you know, it's, it's tough and it's really hard to, 
for instance, what I was just, you know, sharing my personal journey, uh, it's real hard to get in a real deep meditative state, um, you know, when your head's pounding and, <laughs> and you feel sicker than a dog. And, you know, so I don't ever, you know, when we're talking like this and we're talking about everybody can heal themselves and we all not only have that ability, but we all participated in getting ourselves you know i wasn't a victim of a mosquito bite everything in our experience is purposeful and so it's not like somebody did it to me that was an experience that my soul needed along the way for my personal journey and when you understand you know getting into walter russell that sort of thing you understand there's no coincidences there's no victims but sometimes i'll get a little feedback where people that are sick or, or know people that are sick say, you know, that's kind of mean saying, you know, you created this. Well, no, we're not saying you created this, um, you know, or you're bad for having it or, or you've got bad karma or something or, or, or not having empathy for people that don't feel well. But when you understand the creative principles and your role in the universe and your purpose for embodying in the first place, not only will all the solutions for all your problems uh, appear and all the people to assist you will magically appear with them. Um, but uh, that it's, it's much more empowering to um, understand these principles and feel like you're a victim. And even when you're on the ropes, like I was uh, during this period, um, it, it doesn't help you get better to think that you're, you know, a victim of something. All it is, is spirit saying, it's time to up your game. You know, you're ready to graduate to the next level. So use this purposefully and don't believe all the garbage you hear through medical circles that say, uh, you know, that you have to get on immediate, uh, you know, antibiotic drip or listen to your neighbor that says, oh, you can't heal that. I've had it my whole life. And um, just don't buy it because you can get better and you can get better very quick, even on your own. And there's practitioners out there that will help you if you feel like you really need help. Yeah. In the end, anything's possible in this world. Anything. So if you everything. Truly- Yes, everything and anything. Well, awesome. Great talk. Um, thanks to everybody for joining us today. Please uh, join our community on Telegram. Um, we're trying to grow that. That's where we're most active, actually. That's t.me forward slash alpha Vedic, A L F A V E D I C. Telegram's a, a great app you can throw right on your phone. Um, it's a great way to stay in contact with others and something that we really like. Um, Of course, we're on the more traditional platforms as well, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Um, We're also on a a great new platform called Scent. Um, Everything's Alphavedic, A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C. You go to alphavedic.com. We have a number of uh, really cool products that um, we develop uh, that are in line with our philosophy, uh, health-related products, as well as media and other content on there. So uh, thanks again. You can subscribe to our newsletter uh, by going to our website and to get uh, notifications when we do our live streams and uh, podcasts and stuff. Uh, in the future, we'll be definitely engaging with uh, special guests 
on these live streams, people from all different walks of life that are specialists or uh, have a unique life experience in different uh, arenas. So um, we're only just going to keep growing this as we um, build towards a larger community and launching the co-op which will be uh, a way for uh, individuals to have more direct access to Dr. Lando, myself and our team, as well as get discounts on products and just uh, evolve the community into a more holistic uh, kind of um, together vibe, if you will. So thanks again, everybody, for joining us today. Thanks, uh, Dr. Lando. Uh, appreciate your uh, personal story there and your time today and uh, have fun out in the garden. Cheers. Peace.